So as we look into Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7, this is continuing on in those titles of Jesus from Revelation. And just... These are teaching evenings, but they're about just getting our head fuller of the truth so that we can heart encounter God. Do you see what I mean? We have a mantra, or we used to, I don't think I've used it for quite a long time, we, we don't teach for information, we teach for transformation. Because if we fill up our heads with information and it doesn't make a blind bit of difference to us, then what's the point? You know, don't come, because there is absolutely no point. But every time it's about transforming our experience. So look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. It's a fascinating verse. John, we haven't quite got into the vision yet. You know, the letters are coming and then there's that. The vision is weird. I mean, it is weird. Because it's beyond our, our ability. It's beyond John's ability to put into words. You know? He describes a green, at one point he describes a green jewel looking like a, looking like a rainbow. Come on, John, is it green or is it like a rainbow? Because well, the answer is yes. Thank you for getting that little <laughs> in Marianne and Leonard. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, but John is already getting to the place where it's getting beyond him. And we're only in verse 7. <laughs> Not 22 flipping chapters to go yet. You know. Not that he thought of chapters and verses at that point. It was just splurging. But this is really early on. Look, he's coming with the clouds. I'm guessing John saw that. Did, was it, did he see it or did he see it? Yeah, absolutely. Was it in his imagination? with his spiritual eyes? Did it, could he see it as if it was happening really? Probably all of the above. Because this is the one who loves Jesus. This is the one that laid his head on Jesus' chest and heard the heartbeat of heaven, if you remember that. So this, that, this is the one that, that encounters Jesus in, the, in this revelation. He is coming with the clouds. You'd be surprised to know I've got notes. He's coming with the clouds. What does that mean? He's coming with the clouds. Weird. What does it mean he's coming with the clouds? It's going to rain? You know, what, what, what's happening? It's coming with the clouds. Remember, John's on the island of Patmos, so we're not probably looking at the grey clouds that, that we think of. He's looking at those white clouds you know, that we sit and look at and think about the shapes <laughs> often. Yeah? Can you see that? It looks like a dog. It looks like, you know. It, these are the clouds. Jesus is coming with the clouds. See, I'm just going to do, uh, you know, if Adam can do the Greek, so can I. Uh, the word with here is the word ek, which mean, can mean on, or by, or with, or beside, or near. It's one of those words that, 
get technical, it's a preposition that is trying to... It, it, Jesus is close with the clouds. What does this mean? And actually, if you look back at the old versions of this, it says Jesus is coming on the clouds rather than with the clouds. And actually, that's a better translation. Jesus is coming on the clouds. It's as if he is enthroned. There's some uh, Michelangelo uh, paintings and some other uh, Renaissance and, and later paintings of, of, of the second coming. Jesus is shown as if he's riding the clouds. The Greek doesn't say riding, but that's what it looks like. He's coming on the clouds. And this, I think the sense that John is trying to uh, convey here that is that Jesus is enthroned on the clouds. He's, he's like using the clouds as a chariot. He's coming. He's coming enthroned. He's coming as the warrior. He's coming in such a way that it is so clearly obvious that he's coming. You know? We're going to come to the bit in a minute where it says every eye will see him. <laughs> but it, already he's saying this is what's happening. He, he is coming on the clouds. He's coming with the clouds. And actually what's happening here is John is making sense of what he's seeing by using the scriptures that he knows. Which is what we try to do, isn't it? Sorry, hang on. It's what we should try to do. Because <laughs> we make sense of what we see. We interpret what we see in vision through the truth of the scriptures. We don't interpret the scriptures through what we see in the vision. It's the other way around. So Daniel chapter 7 is the image that John is, is alluding to with this with um, Jesus coming on the clouds. This passage is, is a well-known passage. It's where Daniel talks about the one like a son of man. And my very first lecture at Theological College in New Testament studies was on Daniel chapter 7. On New Testament studies? Well, yes, because this is one of the most clear passages about Jesus. I've got it in the message to give it a slight, to, well, just to give it a, a different angle. My dream continued. I saw a human form, a son of man. I saw, I saw a man, one like a son of man, arriving in a whirl of clouds. He came to the old one and was presented to him. I like that. He came to the old man. No. So he's coming to the father. He was given power to rule all the glory of royalty. Everyone, race, color, and creed had to serve him. His rule would be forever. Don't worry. About, oh, never ending. Oh, keep going. Yes. His kingly rule would never be replaced. But as for me, Daniel, I was disturbed. All these dream visions had me agitated. So I went up to the one of those standing by, an angel, and asked him the meaning of all this. It's okay. We don't need to go on. And, and get the interpretation there, but we're fine. It's that first bit. Can we go? Can we go back? Yeah. My dream continued. I saw. I saw the Son of Man. So John is now seeing Jesus, the Son of Man, coming in a whirl of clouds. Message being a little, you know, stretching it slightly to to try and illustrate it, but coming in a whirl of clouds. He came to the one. So he came to God the Father, and was given power to rule. This is what the image that, jo that John is seeing in one, uh, Revelation 1.7 is trying to convey. Jesus comes on the clouds. He has 
power to rule. So he has the ability to rule. And if he's been given power to rule, what, what's that? He's been given authority. So J John is trying to say, this is the one who's coming. He has the glory of royalty. He has the power to rule. He has authority. This is the one. And if we go back to Revelation 1.7, what's the first word? Look. It's a command. Look. Look. Could be translated, don't you see that? Look. Look, he's coming. We know about this from Daniel. Here's the one on the world of clouds. Here's the one that's the king. Here's the authoritative one. He is coming with the clouds. He's coming on the clouds. Every eye will see him. The passage we had this morning from 2 Corinthians 2, 15 and 17 talked about us being the aroma of Christ and how to some people that aroma will be life and to others it will be death. Every eye will see him. Every eye will see him. Every eye will see him. When the Bible says every, do you know what it means? It means every. Every eye will see him. Nobody will have an excuse. Everybody will see him. And some will go, wow. And others will go, oh. Technical theological phrases there. Write those down in your notes. Let's see what happens. But some will be excited and drawn to him and just, wow. But so many will look and go, ugh. And they will be horrified by him. Because they don't see who he is, even though they see who he is. Do you get that? So they don't, they, what they see is his holiness, but they don't see his grace and his forgiveness. They see his judgment, but they don't see his grace and his forgiveness. They see his piercing stare that goes, you're not right, are you? You're not in a good place, are you? But they don't see his love and his compassion. And they, so they only react to the judgment. They only, how many times do people react to us telling us how judgmental we are? How harsh we are with our words? How can we say there's only one way to God and other faiths are not, are not true? How can we say whatever truth it is we want to stand on? That's harsh, isn't it? It's all about inclusion today, isn't it? Well, Jesus wants to include everybody, but not define everybody as included. Work on that one. He, he wants to see everybody. We can't define everybody as included because we've got to hold those biblical truths. And I'm not talking about the stuff that is, you know, has changed over time. You know, it's, we're talking about the principles that are clear. Things have changed over time. Of course they have, because they're culturally and time-bound, but underneath are principles that are not culturally and time-bound at all. This is why Christians in the 18th century could defend the slave trade. They were wrong, 
but they could defend it biblically because it was overlaid with a whole load of cultural stuff. Thank God for Wilberforce and for all the others that got involved with that. Every eye will see him, but not all will recognize him. Every eye will see him. While we were away, that uh, bomb went off at the hospital in Liverpool. Horrible. Horrible. But you know what scared me most about the meat? Because we I was only picking stuff up on, on, on Tinternet. Because um, yeah, we weren't watching news, we weren't here, obviously, but we were picking up BBC website and a couple of other websites. The purse, so the, the, the guy that set off the bomb had been on an Alpha course at Liverpool Cathedral. And the bishop who'd confirmed the guy was a guy called Cyril Ashton, who we knew. He was the rector in Lancaster when we were in Preston. It just happens to be somebody we knew. And it's like, and he's such a good guy. And he's biblical and spirit-filled and just great. Uh, so he got a bit of a kicking in the media. Why are you helping asylum seekers play the game? No, we're trying to bring them to Jesus. And then the guy that had him in the house that he stayed with, this was the first time the BBC website had about Malcolm somebody, wasn't it? I think, whatever. Let's call him Malcolm for now. Malcolm so-and-so, a member of this church, you know, helped run. By... 24 hours later, he was Malcolm so-and-so Christian activist. To which point I went, well, aren't we all? Because we all should be Christian activists, actually. But it was meant, it was just tweak. And then suddenly there was an article all about how wrong it was for Christians to try and convert people from another faith. Hang on. Somebody's just tried to blow themselves up outside the maternity hospital. Or well, they were trying to blow themselves inside the maternity hospital, weren't they? And suddenly it was all about, should Christians be evangelizing? Every eye will see, but not every eye will comprehend. Not every eye will accept. Oh, no, thank you, we don't want to be blessed. Our experience around here. Well, we want to bless the community. Well, we don't need blessing. No, but you all need Jesus. But if I'd said, that was the reaction in me, but if I'd said it out loud... Does it, is it true? Do they all need Jesus? You say it out loud. I would have been abs absolutely crucified. As only partially happened. But it's going to happen. And what we read this morning is that some will, have this, will sense the stench of death. I asked the eight o'clockers this morning to stink. I said, please, would you stink more? Do you spend more time with Jesus? and therefore stink of his presence. Sorry, have the aroma of Christ. That's better, isn't it? <laughs> but that's what it means, an aroma. To use that word aroma, it's just, it's just something stronger than a smell. It's, it's, a, it's a much stronger word. But some will reject, and some will be offended, and some will push back, and some will be horrible, and we will be persecuted. I didn't... I was never sure whether it would happen in my lifetime, 25, 30 years ago, 35 years ago when I became a Christian. People said, oh, persecuted. And the persecuted church was always somewhere else in Eastern Europe 
or in the Muslim world or wherever. It's coming. It's coming here. You have those figures that Adam threw out this morning about Church of England churches, that I can't remember the percentages now, but how many churches have no naught um, to 18-year-olds? 40% have none. And, and the next 40% only have five. You know, so we're looking round and going, actually, we're doing all right. But I told Adam what we used to be like here 30 years ago with a youth group of 300. Or what St Andrews used to be like back in the day. It's changing. No, we're a big church now. And our electoral roll is 170. Where a big church previously was 400 plus. It's not, I'm not saying, aren't we doing well, isn't it great? I'm saying it's, it's not good. But are we seeing the reality of what church actually... Anyway... Let's see what we do. Even those who pierced him will see him. Now clearly this is a, um, a reference back to his crucifixion. It's, it's a reference back, back to his crucifixion. But even those who pierced him. But again, he's alluding to Zechariah. Zechariah chapter, tw chapter 12. I will pour out in the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. The people of God. Yeah? So that's us now. Because that's where we're at. They will look on me, the one they have pierced. And they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child. And grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. So again, John is using what he knows in the Old Testament to inform what he's seeing. This is the one, and those that see him will even be those who mourn. But look what he will give to them if they'll receive it. A spirit of grace and of supplication. It's a promise to pour onto the people of God. A promise, I will pour out onto the people of God, a spirit of grace and supplication. The spirit of grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, G-R-A-C-E. He will pour out everything you need to live this godly, and oh, we're back there again. But he will pour it out on you. Are these the people that have been holy all the time? Who are these people who are going to get everything that they need to live a holy life? Who are these people who are going to get the riches of God at Christ's expense? Those who have pierced him. Those who have caused him pain. Those who have caused him to be crucified. That's you and me. So, Just in case you hadn't realised. I'm sure you had. It's anyone who's sinned. Well, that'll be everyone then. But he loves us so much. He's going to pour out that spirit of grace upon us. And that spirit of supplication. Weird word. Supplication. It's the word that means coming to God and saying, Lord, please. It's not even the word that says, please, Lord, I want this to happen. That's more intercession. Supplication is, Lord, Lord please. You're coming before. You put a supplication to a king to be accepted. 
to, for him to even let you into his presence. So what he's going to pour upon us is a spirit that causes us to seek him. There's an offer, the spirit of grace, and a spirit of supplication. So, again, I've had so many conversations with people, and, and oh, I don't do worship. Okay, we might not do Johnny-shaped worship. Sorry, Johnny. You clearly do, because you're here. And we might not do whatever it is, but we do worship, because I want to be in the presence of the king. I want to, and he dwells in me, but I want to be in his manifest presence. And I just, why wouldn't you want to be in God's presence? The only reason is shame. And if there's shame, it's because there's unconfessed sin. But it doesn't matter what we've done. It does matter because it sent him to the cross, but it doesn't matter in that we can still come to him. In that sense, it doesn't matter. We can come. I'm a, poor, I'm a tax collector. I've screwed up. I've done everything wrong. I'm a thief. I'm a robber. I'm a murderer. It doesn't matter. It's okay. Now, conviction of sin and repentance are always a good idea. But he wants to pour on us a spirit of grace and a spirit of supplication. And those that pierce will mourn. When we look at our sin, do we feel the pain that it's caused Jesus? So I'm not looking for cheap grace here. I'm not saying, I'm saying it doesn't matter, but I'm not saying we just dismiss it. Because God doesn't dismiss it, he deals with it. God doesn't just, just wipe it clean. Jesus dies for us and God takes his blood and wipes it clean. So he does wipe it clean, but it... The blood of Christ that brings that, which actually is awesome. God Himself. Can we go back to this sense of pierced? Is about it's not just the physical pierce. It's not just sin. It's piercing with words. It's mockery. Just look at the the. Descriptions of, of uh, the crucifixion. Mourning for a child. Mourning for a firstborn child. This mourning, this pierce, all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. Tear their clothes in lament. Advent, the four weeks before Christmas, if you're an Anglican, which I know none of us are, he says, standing at the front with a dog collar on. Uh, it's a penitential season. That's why they got it up. This is why the purple is up. Advent and Lent are the two times. The time before Christmas, the time before Easter. And we, it's a play, we're supposed to be in a season of lament, a season of conviction and a season of repentance and that's what preparation for Christmas is all about and the world has turned it I'm sorry I know there's someone in our congregation who absolutely love Christmas and get the closer we get the more excited they, well, they start getting excited in, in March don't they you know <laughs> well end of January probably but but actually 
as Christians, this is actually a time to stop and go, whoa, if we hadn't pierced him, if then there would be no need for that baby to be born. Because actually, we look at the baby to be born, and we look at the baby born at a nativity service, and we go, oh. But actually, we should look at the baby to born and remember he's the man that's going to be nailed to a cross. And actually, we should go, because we've made that happen. Oh, it's lovely. Mary's got a baby. Isn't it great? No. She stores these things up in our heart. When the frankincense and the myrrh, the things that speak of his death, come. And Advent is about preparing. Now, please, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be the Grinch at Christmas and say, don't enjoy Christmas. But just take that beat as Christians as we come towards Christmas. He's coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn. Do you want to see the second coming? Do you want to see it? It's going to be absolutely horrible. Now, for us, my prayer is that we will go, yeah. But for so many we love, for the people around us, it's going to be horrible. The day of judgment, the second coming, is going to be horrible. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Yes, we want him to come. Yes, we want him to sort things out. But it's going to cost people. People will lose their life eternally. And we will rejoice. But in the midst of the rejoicing, there's no other way of putting it. Should we get off our bums and tell people about Jesus? And say, look, actually, that's what got my dad in the end, I think, when he came to faith. He was, you know, looking towards the end of life and going, hmm, i better sort this out. If what Laurie's been saying... My dad nearly went forward at a Billy Graham rally in 1954, for goodness sake, and didn't. Went for another beer instead. Bless him. So that was the first seed, 60 years before he actually did it and got there. We're looking forward to the second coming. We look back at Christmas to the first coming, but we can also go, Lord, thank you that you are here right now. As we move into worship, can I encourage you? Ask the Lord to show you what it means that he's coming in a whirl of cloud. Ask him for your, your perspective on that, your vision of that. What does that mean? The one with authority, the one with power. And Lord, help me to mourn where I need to mourn. Help me to rejoice where I need to rejoice. Thank you that you're coming. Thank you that you have come. Thank you that you are here. And let's just stay in his presence. Drink up the aroma of Christ. Drink. Can you drink up a smell? You know what I mean. <laughs> Sniff up. No, that's, that's not right either, is it? <laughs> Inhale. That's what I want. Inhale the spirit of that aroma of Christ and be in his presence. Let me pray. Lord, thank you.
that you are coming and your word says, so shall it be. And your people say, amen. But Lord, we want to see you enthroned on the clouds with authority. Lord, show us where we need to mourn because of the piercing. Show us where we can rejoice because of your grace and give us that spirit of supplication that just longs to be in your presence, just wants to be there. Prepare our hearts, Lord. We declare you have come. You are here. You are coming. And Jesus, we love you.